Good morning, Chair City Church. So glad you all are with us. We are in the last week of our current series, What Was I Thinking? It's been a great series. It's been a group of messages that we're bringing to you to speak to you about truths which reveal who God is, meaning how God wants you to know him versus some of the constructs or the thoughts or the perceptions we have of who God is. And this is important because in the ebb and flow of life, especially in some of those most critical times and decisions, how we see God will affect how we navigate and manage those situations. And we want to see God for who he truly is, not anything that we have kind of constructed that might be incomplete, insufficient, or maybe just inaccurate. Huh? Because who God is would weigh a lot more in that situation than what we think he is. Yes? Now, you hear me say this a lot, you know, the way you affect the way I said it backwards, the way you think affects how you live. And it's not just a psychological uh, determination. It's just, it's truth. And it says it in the Bible. Before any psychologist or any mental health counselor came to be, you know, any clinician, it says it in the Bible. It's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. It's just so true. Your attitude drives your actions. Your, beha- your beliefs will drive your behavior. And your thoughts shape your thinking and the way you live. A.W. Tozer, uh, a theologian, says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Did you ever think about what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us? Because the way you think determines Your actions, your beliefs, forms your life. And what's most prominent, what needs to be most prominent in your thinking is how do you think about God? How do you see and perceive God? Because that is going to have such a huge effect. It's more impacting on your life than anything else. Because the way you think affects how you live. Now, what we want to know and what we're teaching in this series is that God, the God, is more powerful than we think. He's more present than we think. He's more loving than we could imagine. He's more holy than we know. And he's more active than we think. Right? I want to share with you two terms today. And that is transcendence. He's... God is a God of transcendence, meaning he is over all of creation and imminence, meaning God is in all of creation, right? So God is over all and he's in all. He's very active. He's, he's intimate. He's a God of transcendence and a God of imminence. This is powerful for you to get to know that, that God is over all and that God is in all. That's who God is. He's not a kind of a, an accessory. He's not something that's on the shelf that we pull out when, when this might happen or that happen. He, he's, not a, he's not a coach, a life coach. Oh, there are parts of God that resembles all of these things of help, and we're glad they're there. But, but God is an all-powerful, all-present, all-loving, all-holy God that is over all and in all. That's the God that you put your faith in. That's the God that you trust. That's the God that changes your life, right? That means God, being over all and in all, sees and knows every problem, right? 
Everything that's happening in your life right now, he's aware of. He hasn't left you. He's, his imminence refuses to allow that he would leave you, right? He's in the midst of everything that's going on right now. That's because God is more active than you think, and he invites you to join him in his work. Let's turn to John chapter 5 this morning. And in this passage, uh, there's a, a man who has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. I'm, I'm praying and hoping that someone in here today has a life-changing encounter with Jesus, as so many of us have, to God be the glory. And this, in this exchange, Jesus, by his actions and words, gives us a, a few truths, right, that we can apply to our understanding of God. So just some context here. Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem, and it's a time when they're, they're having a festival, likely the Feast of Pentecost, right? It's a big uh, religious Jewish festival. Hundreds of thousands of people come into Jerusalem. Now, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, he makes his way to a place called the Pool of Bethsaida. And hundreds and hundreds of people gather around this kind of body of water. And they come there, most of them, because they're handicapped, paralyzed, they're ill, and they believe by entering into the water, they're going to be healed. Now, this pool of water likely, you know, archaeologists, biblical scholars said that it was likely an underground stream that fed, the, you know, that fed this pool of water. And the reason why I tell you that is because the reason why the people took to that this body of water had such like magnificent powers was that from time to time during the day or over the course of a few days, the water would just start to bubble up rapidly, you know, and stir in all different places and they thought it must be the angels that are causing this to happen. And, and the way it was is as soon as it would bubble or stir the first one in or the first few people in were the ones who were more likely to get healed. So you had all the sick, the paralyzed, the handicapped sitting around and just saying, okay, ready for it to happen at that chance to get well, right? Now, so we're going to jump into John chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. It's just one of the men lying there at the pool of Bethsaida had been sick for 38 years, paralyzed. When Jesus saw him, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? That's a strange question to ask a person who is not well, a person who's paralyzed. There's a lot of different views here by theologians, people study who write. One of them is that, well, you know, perhaps the guy really kind of didn't want to get well. You know, he had gotten so kind of attached to his environment you know, the people around there had become friends. He was used to it. He was accustomed to it. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's the case. I personally probably wouldn't have tossed that on it. Uh, there's a guy named Pastor Kevin McQueen. I like his insight on it, you know. Uh, he thinks Jesus walked up to the guy and said, hey, would you like to get well? Like, today's your day, man, you know. <laughs> like, Jesus knows who he is. He knows what he's going to do. It's just all cool. And it's like, hey, you want to get well? It's like if you're driving and somebody, you know, needs a lift, you know, you know, and you're like, hey, would you like a lift? I mean, yeah, you got a car. You know what you can do? You think you're going to make somebody's day, right? You know, would you like, you, if you ask me, would you like to see the Yankees win the World Series? <laughs> Come on. Of course I do, right? <laughs> or, or like if you, if you ask, 
my kids, or me, you're asking me or my kids, would you like some pizza? I mean, we just love pizza. My kids love pizza. And as I was preparing this, I'm thinking, man, you know, like you could ask my kids, would you like some pizza? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're going to say yes. They might ask you where it's from first, but then they're going to say yes, make sure it's Italian, right? Matter of fact, I decided, you know, this can be pretty stressful at times what I do. So I said, you know what? Let me try it out. Let me see if they really would say yes to pizza any time of the day. Go. I guess my kids vote uh, have pizza 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Listen, so Jesus asked, it's going to be a rough day later on in my home. They are not happy with me. (laughs) It took me about five minutes to get my wife to cooperate and film it with me. So Jesus asked, what do you want to do to get well, to be healed? And in John chapter 5, verse 7, the man says to Jesus, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets in there ahead of me. Just just say it. Breaks your heart to read it. Jesus says, do you want to get well? The man says, I can't. I I can't get to the pool. Maybe the guy is thinking when Jesus says, do you you want to get well? He's thinking, oh, this is the guy who's going to help me into the pool, right? He's going to help me to get into the water. He can't imagine what Jesus can do. He can't imagine what's about to happen in his life. He, he, he can't fathom who Jesus is. He doesn't see Jesus for who he is and for what he could do, right? The man's trying to get into the water. He has no idea that Jesus is, is the living water, yes? Religion is human beings trying to get to God, right? Jesus is God coming to us. Jesus, fully man, fully God, coming down to earth to be with us. It's important that you consider that, that you don't have that religious lens on when you're viewing God. Because of a tradition, a denomination, even your own, again, kind of insufficient constructs of who God is brings you to a religious view of God, of what you need to do for God, of what you've gotten right and what you don't get right. In lowering yourself and exalting yourself in this view of God, in doing that, you're going to diminish who God really is. And you're going to kind of slowly make yourself more prominent in this picture. And so when you're navigating life, inevitably, if you're looking through that religious lens, you're going to be looking more to yourself and thinking more of yourself than you will of God. Just like that man was. Now, 
And maybe you're trying to reach out to God, to get right with God. Maybe before you can imagine yourself really picturing not just doing something great for God, that's okay to say that, but even imagining just simply carrying out something in your relationship or in your day-to-day life that is dogging you and dogging you in a relationship that you can't fathom or see yourself doing that for all your reasons and logic and understandings and past, even though Proverbs says don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge God in all his ways. What do you mean acknowledge? Acknowledge God, the all-present, all-powerful, all-loving, so holy, active God, right? So it's telling you to do. Don't lean on your own understanding. It might be logical. It could be correct. It might be even right. But it's not supernatural. (laughs) Acknowledge the supernatural God. Huh? Because he can do great things in your life. The man is thinking, look, I just got to get in the water. And she's like, man, do you have any idea what I'm about to do in your life? Huh? The gospel is Jesus coming to you so that you can have life, not to limit you, but to, but to see you move forward, to, as we say, to splash life around those who you know, to live life abundantly. John chapter 5, verse 8, keep going. Jesus told the man, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the man does just that. In John chapter 5, 9, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. He gets up, walks away. Now look what happens in John chapter 5, verse 9 through 13. It says, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the holy day, and you had religious leaders. I'm pretty sure they're most likely Pharisees here, Sadducees and Pharisees. These were likely Pharisees, and these Pharisees, you know, they kind of were like the keepers of the law, right? Making sure everybody was doing what was right. Now you had God's law, his Torah, Ten Commandments, but then you had these over 600 laws that the religious leaders had attached to that. They were man-made, and, and, and they they kind of added a lot to the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was not just a cessation of work, but they, you couldn't even pluck a hair out of your head on the Sabbath. It would be considered unholy and wrong. And so we're going to keep going to verse 10. It says, so the Jewish leaders, these Pharisees, objected to the man rolling up his mat and walking. They said, who? They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to pick, to carry your sleeping mat. Yeah, you can't. You can't carry the mat. But the man replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. So these religious people are more offended because they're more tuned in and more concerned that the man is carrying a mat and breaking one of their religious laws than they are to the fact that this guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years, that his legs are now functioning. And, and this is the, now some of you are saying, oh, David, I would never do that. I mean, it's so obvious, it's so silly, it's so ridiculous. Why would they even say and say and it's such a thing? Because they had a religious lens on, right? They were trying, they were constructing ways that they would think to get them to God. So don't pluck a hair out of your head. Don't turn around and, put, and feed your oxen. Don't pull your cow out of a ditch. Don't turn around and don't do, and this is how we're going to get to God. This is how we're going to know God. This is our construct, our lens, how we see God. Not for who he is, but for how we're seeing him. It's a religious lens. 
we can have that. And, and I tell you, likely, if you, if, you know, we're, we've come up through certain ethnicities, uh, through certain, um, you know, denominations, it's highly likely that, that to some extent you have a religious lens or your, your lens of who God is is somewhat insufficient because of such. There's a lot of good things that came out of those traditions and denominations, but some of them, most of them, I think, just kind of brought this, uh, again, a bit of an insufficiency or distortion to who God really is. It's another sermon, so I might seem incomplete there, but if you've got any questions, talk to me later. Right? Who God is. So you're walking around, and day to day, in your life, and you're seeing God in this way that is less loving, less present, less powerful, less holy, and less active than he really is, right? Be careful. Be careful about how you're seeing God. What do you think when you think about God? Is it who he truly is? Right? See, because, and here's the important reason, because God can be moving and acting and you don't even notice it. God could be moving and acting right now in your life and you just don't notice it, meaning you're missing out on a miracle. You're missing out on what God is doing in your life because you're not looking for who God is. But when you, if you see Jesus for what he, who he is and for what he's doing, well, then it's a time of celebration. It's a time of recognition. And then you realize that God is active. It's a God is active. Let's toss out a, a few truths that speak to God in this area. First, God is always working. He's always working. John chapter 5, verse 16 through 17 says, So the Jewish leaders began harassing, they tracked him down, Jesus, for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. Jesus says, My father is always working, and so am I. My father is always active, and so am I. God is at work everywhere, all the time. He's a transcendent God. He's a, he's a God of eminence. He's overall, He's in all. God is active. He's active. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now the verse doesn't say that all things are good. It says that God works through all things for our good, huh? for his purpose. There's no situation that is beyond God because he's an active God. God is at work in your life and he's at work of those you love and those you care for. Join in that work. We had a, you know, we had a, a woman come in last week. Yeah, I, I preached last week on God's, God is more holy than we think. And so now, now usually, you know, when you're, 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 there are a few subjects that I think people prefer you don't speak on or a little adverse or certainly one that where, man, I hope one of my family members or guests don't come in. Uh, if, if you preach on sin, if you preach on money, and if you preach on holiness, right? Those are the three. Nobody's laughing, but it's true. And, and so here, this neighbor of, a, of someone here who attends Cheer City, they, they had invited their neighbor to come. She actually had come around Easter one time, maybe once or twice, and then I, we didn't see her a lot. And, and then and she came in again, right? And, and, um, and then she'd come for a few weeks, and she was walking out. I believe it was last week, yeah. And she stops, and she talks to me. 
And she began to share with me some really encouraging words about how what she's heard in the last few weeks, it's meaning so much to her, and how today, what it meant to her. Now, you got to say, this person, from what I observed, they, sometimes, you know, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but let's just say that right there in that moment, I had never seen them stand so strong and look so strong in all the times that I had, they had spoken to them. I mean, she stood there strong, her shoulders up, her head up, her chin up, like, like resolute, and saying, you know what? Now I nerd, I heard. After that message, now I know what I have to change. The message was on holiness. We preach on God is more holy than you think. And here is a neighbor of someone who, who's been invited, comes here. Here is the message and says, I know now what I need to do. I know what I need to face. I know what I need to change. And I believe that it can be done now. And she walks out. How cool is that, right? Yeah. Now, you'd never think. When you look at your neighbor, left, right, across the street, do you ever think that they would come into church on a Sunday, hear a message about God being more holy, and that would have such an effect on them? Of course not, right? Because that's our view of God. But God is more powerful, more present, more loving, more holy, and more active than we think. He was working on that woman before she stepped in here. I promise you. You got to get this. God stirs the water. God is bubbling up life. God, these are his children. He's breathed his spirit into them. They were made in his image. They are the first fruits of all his creation. He is speaking to them. He is in all, overall. He is active in all their lives. And we get to join in on what he's doing. How awesome is that? We are, when you're inviting that neighbor, when you, we are joining in. When she came into here and all that was going on and all those who serve, we're joining God in what he's doing. Another truth is to look and to listen for what God is doing. So in John chapter 5, verse 19 through 20, it says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Jesus the Son, God is our Heavenly Father. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he, he is doing. God wants to reveal to you, his great works. God is continually revealing to his great works. We need to look and listen to see what he's doing. He loves you. He revealed his greatest work in Jesus for you to follow, to trust in. He desires for you to know and to see the great things he's doing even right now. Let's show the video. You need to pay attention, though. You need to pay close attention. To test just how much attention the attention-stealing design of the new Skoda Fabia actually steals, we left one parked on this ordinary road in West London. We wanted to see if its sharp crystalline shapes, bold lines and lower, wider profile would attract the desired level of attention. Will the 17-inch black alloy wheels stop passers-by in their tracks? Will the angular headlights attract the attention of other road users? Will a crowd gather to check out its fresh, sporty look? Well, not quite. But did the attention-stealing design distract you from noticing that the entire street has been changing right before your very eyes? Don't believe us? Have another look. Did you spot the van changing to a taxi? How about the scooter changing to a pair of bicycles? Or the lady holding a pig? Let alone the fact that the entire street is now completely different. Didn't think so. So there we have it, proof that the new Skoda Fabia is truly attention-stealing.
It's a heck of a commercial. Listen, God is at work all around us. Man, we are busy people. We are more than ever before. We are busy. And, and there's confusion and there's pain. And, and sometimes it can be like, you know, we're just, we're just not paying attention. It, it becomes kind of a default to how we are and how we're managing. Life is, can be chaotic. I mean, because we have four kids and there are times we, we have our parents live next door to us and they're helping us out. We're like, how do people do this? And we get into this default mode of managing life. <laughs> if you're, you're a couple, you're two people that, okay, you know, paying the bills, getting the kids to this, doing that, doctors that, ball games this, church. And before you know it, you're just, <laughs> you're, just, you're just managing life together, right? And you're missing what's most, you're not paying attention to what's most important. First, what God is doing, what God is doing, how God is working, where God is active in you and, and in the people around you. And, and, and what is most important, and when we do this, slowly, that which is most important, if we're not seeing it how God intended, because we're not seeing God how he intended, well, then those important things begin to decay because they're not getting the intention that they really need and they deserve and how God intended. And these other things, which although can be important and, and seemingly support that, <laughs> really begin to just distract from that. Ask yourself this question. God, what are you doing here and now? I just want you to get this. I want you to ask yourself within you right now, God, what are you doing here and now? This could change your life. God, what are you doing in my husband or my wife's life right now? What are you doing in her life? Next time before you leave for work, stop and look and say, wow, what is God doing in my spouse's life right now? Next time there's any friction or tension, you know, whether it's verbalized or whether it's just there, you know, God, what are you doing in their life right now? Wow. When you're looking at your children, grandchildren, God, what are you doing in their life right now? Because God is active. He's overall. He's in all. and He's there. What is he doing? in their life right now how is he wanting you to join them that difficult co-worker that terrible neighbor with their patriot and all the other Massachusetts teams on him what is impossible what is God doing in their life right now it's going to change your lens it's going to strip you of any religious way of seeing God it's going to bring life to where there's death because we just don't go there do we now so when you have an intense moment with your spouse, which the enemy is using to lessen the intimacy and closeness in your marriage, do you stop and say, hmm, I wonder what God is doing in their life right now? Do you? It's supposed to be funny too, by the way. But I know, it's it, it kind of sad too, because we don't. I know, I, I often didn't, and really, truth be matter, I, I don't think I do enough. And really, I, I, I'm changed after, after looking at it this way. What is God doing in my wife's life right now. Because God is what? He's more active than I realize. <laughs> he is. He's more powerful. He's more present. He's more loving. He's more holy. I want, this is how I want to see God right now. It will change how you see. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you see the people in your life. It'll change the way you live, yeah? So listen. You know, it, 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 it does. It affects what you're doing. I mean, 
when you're conditioned to see God in his way, that he is active, then you're more inclined to be sensitive to what's happening around you and interpreting it as, okay, this is God. Or, okay, God is doing something. What is it? And, and I'm more, am I more conditioned now, prepared to join in? Well, Christian and I, we live our lives this way. Now, we've been in ministry for 24 years, 25 years, and, and there have been times when I've gone out of ministry for a year or two here and there. So, and really, I believe that we've lived it for them. This is one of the areas of my life that I think that we've been most consistent to, is making ourselves available for people to see God plan of redemption of this world come to its greatest place to keep more people out of hell and to see them go to heaven. And I'll give you a handful of years back here. Well, was it here? Was it a cinema at that point? Okay. Uh, There's a girl. She's addicted to drugs. Just a few days before Sunday, probably Wednesday, Thursday, came onto our radar. We began working with some other people in the church to help. I was actually with somebody in the community or people I called and said, listen, we, we heard you're somebody that can help. You know, that you, you could be somebody, you, you're, the way you are, you people there, whatever, whatever you're doing there, that you're, you could be the ones that could help her. And so we connected to her. She was in a really terrible place. She began to talk about, you know, possibly going to a, a rehab center or a drug rehabilitation place. Uh, some of them, a lot of them require that you do a physical. So, we, she, so some ladies, I think it was one lady, took her to a hospital. When they're doing her examination, they're like, hey, guess what? You're pregnant. And so now the nurse begins to talk to her, and, and they begin to discuss abortion. And she's, and, and she's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, just, I, I can't do this. And she begins to take the steps to have an abortion. The woman that's from a church begins to talk to her. Now, there's already been, an, you know, we've been helping her for a couple of days and working with her. And the woman, after speaking with her, ministering to her, she decides not to have the abortion. She had the child. But she comes to church that Sunday, and, and she's hanging by a thread. I mean, it's like minute to minute. It's pretty intense, crisis ministry. And um, at that moment, the place now that we had scheduled for her to go to says we can't take her. She's, 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 she's with child. She's pregnant. She can't come in. And, that, and most of them wouldn't. So we find a place now. Something comes to us. And again, you know, it came to us in kind of a, like a unique way that we think had some resemblance of divine. And so that, and it was in Bangor, Maine. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take her now. We'll take her. After talking with me, and they said, yeah, we'll take her. And so now, and we talked to her, and she was a little overwhelmed, but she said, okay, I'll go. So you know what? Me, Christy, a few ladies, we get in the car on a Sunday after church, and we drive five hours up to Bangor, Maine, drop her off, pray, talk to the people, eat at something at Applebee's, and we drive five hours back, right? Now, because we believed God, we were joining God and working, right? God was doing something. He was working, and we wanted to be a part of what God is doing. Now, was it inconvenient? Oh, it was. I mean, it really was. You know, did it, did it cost us something? It did. Absolutely. You see, when you join God in what he's doing, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to cost you something. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you're joining God. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, if Tom Brady said, I want you on my team, I'm on Tom Brady's team. (laughs) I don't care if I can catch. We're going to win, right? I mean, come on. I'm a Steeler fan. I can even say that, right? This is God, the all power. he's overall and in all, and he's calling you to pay attention to see what he's doing in people's lives and, and what he's doing around you so that you would join in with him and be active in your faith. You see, pay attention. Notice people in your family. Notice them in your, in your church. Here, people. This is a church, people, not a building, but, but people. 
make that attempt. It's a, there's a good truth, or at least an insight into this story with Jesus. I mean, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. There's hundreds of thousands of people, and he notices this man. Perhaps he did it intentionally for us to know that. Whatever, it, it happened. Jesus noticed this man. Jesus wants us to notice. He wants us to be in a place in our lives, in, in our emotions, in our, in our, to just notice people that are around us, be, to be considerate of them. He slowed down because one person mattered. I do, I, that day, to me, that, that's, that's what it meant to me in Christian. You know, can we do it every Sunday? I, I, I don't think so, but maybe we could. I don't know, you know? I, you know, let, every week, let God bring somebody into my life where I'm going to engage. It starts off with a phone call. Next step, next step, next step. There was about like 12 or 14 steps that happened before that. That is God doing something? Is God doing something? First step, God. Second step, God. Third step, God. Step to step to step to step. God is living. He's active. He's powerful. And we're joining him in. I believe something great will come from that. I do. With all my heart. It might take five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever. In this case, a child is living today. The girl, I'm pretty confident, is, is certainly better now than she was then. And she has this incredible understanding of what Christianism is all about. Yeah, right? I'm off course here. It's just, it's a great way to live. That's why they, to pay attention. Just think today, am I paying attention to people in my home? Do, am I thinking, what is God doing in their life right now? When I pray for my kids, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in their life. And I think, God, what are you doing in their life right now? And I'll remind them when I talk to them, they're, not, they're pretty sore about with me right now. They're not happy, truly. I've got a, uh, you can pray for me when I go home today. <laughs> uh, I think they've sent some threats my way through uh, people in the church, actually. <laughs> hey, pay attention. Hey, it's going to cost you. It's going to make it uncomfortable. You're going to be inconvenienced. But you're going to see God work in such great ways. It's in God's economy. My grandfather becoming very ill and coming to move in with us kind of happens right as we're looking out there looking for this runaway girl. And uh, he's 88 years old. What I'm trying to say here is that the events that led to me going to get my grandfather one night, you know, I, I walk in on him, and Lloyd was with me. He lives in the projects in Coney Island. We get in there. I don't know if the elevator's working. We go in through the back stairs. It's brutal, you know? I mean, it's terrible. We get in there. I had a key. Uh, you know, I open up the door, and there's my grandfather laying there. He, he really he looked like he had swallowed like four or five basketballs. It's dark. We pick him up. We carry him to the car. We bring him to the hospital. He survives this. And before I left that night to go and look for the girl, I stopped on my doorway at the threshold of the door. I stopped and literally something said, hey, call your grandfather. I paused and I went and I called him and he sounded like he was going to die. And that's what led us to go in that night. Paying attention, looking to see where God is living and active, noticing people. It's a way of being, and, and it's the currency of God in bringing you to a place where you could see what he's doing and the great things he could do. I got to see my grandfather survive that night. It was an insane, brutally painful night for me. I got to tell you, Lloyd watched me screaming, crying. I, I cherish my grandfather, 
he was a beacon of light in my life. Screaming to God, please don't let him die before I get there. He lived with us for four years. For four years, my grandfather lived with us. And he came to faith with us. Not only didn't he die, he came to know Jesus like in a wonderful way. While he's with us, uh, me and Christy, of everything we've done and all of our lives and accomplished, we consider caring for my grandfather for four years the greatest thing we've ever done. It really drew us so much closer together. He, he had a colostomy in the beginning of it. And I mean, I, I, I struggle. I have a very like, sensitive stomach, you know, and every day, three, four times a day, I would have to care for him. Do you remember what? I would, like, I would like put stuff all up my nose. I'd spray my face with perfume. I'd take Listerine. I'd wrap my head up. I mean, I, I, <laughs> and it still, I would still come out of this staggering. And, and yet through all that, I came to see God do amazing things. And you know, through me more than anybody else, really. And in the midst of that, done. So when I go up there to, for that girl, uh, what I'm trying to show you is, is I'm, I'm in this process of noticing, of seeing God for who he is, step by step. Wow, I got there. I'm going out to help this girl. I'm noticing her. He speaks to me, and I hear about my grandfather. I call him. I think about him. I call him. I get there. Me and Lloyd kind of save his life. We do that. We come back home. Then I think, okay, you know, she's up there with this guy. It's just one to the next to the next. I'm noticing people. I'm noticing what God is doing. And I'm willing to now join God in his activity and what he's doing, huh? Pay attention. Pay attention to a loved one. Pay attention to a spouse, a child, a neighbor. Pay attention when no one else is noticing. It's just how I've learned to live my life, and it's a wonderful way to live your life. It is beautiful when we give ourselves to this mission that God has to join him in in redeeming this world because this is what it's about. And when you join God in his work, the best stories show up. So when Christy went to the convention, 20 years later, so we went back over 20 years later, she's at a retreat to worship God, to join other women, and there she, she sees this girl there. And the girl says, I love God, and God is doing wonderful things in my life. The same girl, she sees her there. That's incredibly wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and God's saying, hey, I'm a God who is in all, over all, so powerful, so present, so loving, so holy, and so active. I'm active. Join me in what I'm doing. When you join God in his work, great stories show up. Like we talk about these stories with our kids so much. We sit down at the table, we talk about when grandpa lived with us. Everything I'm telling you in details, we share with them. And they love it and they dig it, you know, and they always have. Tell your story. Join God in noticing others, in sharing, in giving, in serving. When you do this, great things happen. Great stories are born. huh? Then you want to share these stories with others like I'm doing to you. And when you tell your story, it gives God the glory. Yes? God is glorified. The start of how Chair City Church came to be is just incredible. It has divine written all over it. It has miraculous all over it, how this started, how it came to be, how we made it through the first three years, how we grew in the cinema, how this place came to be. It's just simply astonishing. It's miraculous. And every time we'd make a move and do something, we would recall the things God had done. In our lives, in ourselves, in the people, in the church, we would just recant and recall and talk. These are the stories of why we are here so we can do this. So 120 people can take this building, can refurbish it in a way that would glorify God and we can come in there, yeah? That's what happened. It's a great story. 
Look, when God moves through your life, pass on to others what he's doing because it points them to God. It gives him the glory. That's why small groups are so powerful. When you join a small group, you're getting to sit there and share with other people your story, parts of your story, or you're getting to hear other people's story. Just stay on point, otherwise they'll correct you. They're trained to do that, okay? But really, you're getting to do that, and it's glorifying God. That's why we encourage you to join a small group. It's what you do. When I was just talking to a woman in the first service, and she was in a hospital, was it last week or the week before? It's blurry. Christian and I went to go see her. It's probably about like 10 o'clock at night, and we got to sit there for like, I don't know, like 45 minutes and just hear about her and her story and her life. She's so much closer to her. And when I saw her in the lobby, I was surprised this morning. We hugged and we talked, and now we could reflect on different things. We prayed about what God was doing in her life. Man, just notice people. Share your story with your friends, with your family. What is God calling you to today? What is he inviting you to He's inviting you to join him. First, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as the one who saves you, is the one who's given his life for you, the one who is God's great demonstration of his love for you, his creation. The Bible says in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinning, because we're sinners, while we're mucking it up, missing the target, going the wrong way, Jesus gave his life for us. <laughs> See, we didn't get it right, and then Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus gave his life for us because God loves us, because he's more loving than we could imagine. If you're here today and you've not known God in that intimate way, he's there with you. He's over all and in all. He's with you. And he's active, and he's stirring, and he's drawing you closer to him. And he's speaking into you, because his spirit is in you. It's the greatest part of you. It's why you think, it's why you think about the future. It's why you love. Now live from that spirit and feed that spirit. And he's inviting you into a personal relationship with him through your faith and belief in Jesus Christ that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, was resurrected, is in heaven right now, praying for you, interceding and talking to his Father for this moment that you would notice God doing something great in your life and you turn to Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you've been here and you've been a Christian five months, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and you're like, you know, perhaps I've been seeing this through maybe a religious lens. Or perhaps I've been seeing God more from a tradition or a way of life or a preconception, and I've just not seen God for who he really is, that he's more. He's more powerful than I realize. And, you know, he is, and he's more present. He is so present with me even right now. Even in the depths of my worst sin, he is so present with me. And he loves me. He loves me so much more than I've ever thought God deeply loves me get that that God loves you and that God is a holy God everything about him is holy his anger his love all of it and that dead today though that God in his love grace and mercy he's so active that he's calling you closer to him today he's calling each way he's calling you closer today and that today might be the day you say you know I'm renewing my relationship with God I, I am amping that baby up 
Today's the day where I'm going to see God for who he really is. Today's the day where I'm going to notice people and see them as what is God doing in their life. Yes, maybe today's the day where I'm going to begin to notice, to look, and to listen to how God intended me to and to see him for who he is, right? And I'm going to join God in what he's doing in my wife's life, in my husband's life, in my children's life, in my neighbor's life, in my family's life, in my church's life. I'm going to join God today, yes? To God be the glory.